We've been looking right across Mosaic at all of our congregations over the last four weeks. We've been looking um, at, at a series we've called uh, The Heart of the Church. What does it look like for, um, for us to embrace all that God is calling us to? We've looked at a few little things. Um, Firstly, although this congregation didn't do this one actually, but we referred to it um, in the second one, we thought the heart of the church will, will be a heart that is equipped with God's word. So, so one of the great celebrations in the church when we gather is that we gather around God's word and we consider what these stories and the, these accounts of God's actions might imply for us as we live life together. We then looked at deep and authentic relationships, and we uh, we actually we, we referred to um, the fact that God uses each uses us, uses others um, to refine us. Sometimes we like to think God does all of that, and um, uh, and we can just it can just be between me and God. But if the, if you've been in community for about I don't know, 10 seconds, you will know that we are refined by one another. It doesn't take long to discover that one. Impact beyond these walls. If we are to be authentically reflecting the heart of God as the community of God's people, um, we will not be just on about us. We will actually be on about others as well. That, that famous quote, um, came out when we considered this. Um, the church is the com- the one community that exists for others. A call beyond ourselves. I do think that's an overstated statement. So stay with me. Don't don't get stuck on that for the next twenty minutes. That would be a problem. Today we're going to look at. Um, what it would mean for us as the church if we were to integrate our understanding of God into our everyday. I think this is one of the most wonderful, wonderful calls um, to the church, and it is, of course, the most one of the most challenging. It's kind of easy and hopefully safe for you to come here on Sunday and openly discuss the things of God. But the idea of this is that this will be a safe place for that so that you can take your understanding of God into the world and become integrated people. I love the word integration. I I think it's wonderful. And we get from it, Um, our word integrity. Basically, it means to be woven together, to be consistent. Wouldn't it be wonderful if on a new level today, you were to leave here with a deeper understanding of God and seeking to find ways to express that in your everyday life. It's one thing to come here on Sunday, isn't it? But it's another thing to live consistently with your faith 
in your workplace or in your school or in or as you go shopping and you get ripped off by someone what does it look like for us to allow this wonderful story of what god has done amongst us impact us in every single way Let's have a read. This is a great passage. We're in Joshua chapter 24, um, 14 to 28. Let me just give you a little bit of context before we have a look at this reading. Actually, let me rethink that. We're going to do the reading first. This is Joshua speaking um, right at the end of the book of Joshua. And he's speaking to all the people um, gathered before him from the 12 tribes of Israel. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And the Lord there is Yahweh. Okay, so it's a very specific understanding of God. The people replied, We would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods, for the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. Then Joshua warned the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy and a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, we are witnesses to what we have said. All right, then Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day in Shechem committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instructions. As a reminder of their agreement, he took a huge stone, rolled it beneath the terebinth tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. Joshua said to the people, This stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. Then Joshua sent all the people away to their homelands. 
I'm sure you've, well, I hope you've heard this story before. It is um, a remarkable story. And like I said, it comes at the end of everything that's happened to set the people of Israel free. You'll remember all the plagues um, in Egypt, uh, Moses leading the people on the dry riverbed, uh, sorry, on the dry sea across um, the Red Sea, the people wandering in the desert, led by God, a cloud, a cloud by day, a fire by night. Then Moses passed away and Joshua took over. And almost immediately there's a miracle of echo, if you like, a call back to remember what Moses did. As Moses, by the power of God, parted the sea, Joshua leads the people of God into the promised land by parting the river. And he leads them across on dry ground, gathers 12 stones, one from each tribe, and sets them up in the middle of the river, of the River Jordan, as a reminder of the impossible thing God did. By now, they've actually gone through the land. They've won many victories. The walls of Jericho have fallen. And here they are gathered at the very, very end. They are about to be sent into their lives as free people. They're about to be sent, as that passage um, ended with, they're about to be sent into their new homelands. And Joshua seems to want to get a promise out of them that they won't forget. We can be very sympathetic, of course, with the Israelites at this point because we are deeply prone to forget, are we not? Even as we gather here on a Sunday, we can get to Wednesday and Thursday and realise that, well, how much has God really had to do with the rest of my week? It's a question that's challenged people of faith um, across every generation. You are not different if you understand that. But here is an invitation for us to understand what it looks like to follow Christ, to follow God on a deeper level. What does it look like to integrate our experience of God, our understanding of God? What does it look like to integrate these stories of faith that we celebrate each and every Sunday into the very fabric of our lives? I think this has happened for Joshua, this painting. Um, I, I've put it up here because it reminds us that that's Joshua there in the middle and it's Moses standing over to the side. Joshua was one of those 12 warriors who were sent, one representing each tribe, into the promised land before it was taken. And 10 of them came back and looked at the size of these are supposed to be grapes. So here are, are two men carrying the the fruit of the land, back to show Moses. And it's absurdly large, absurdly productive. 
And here is Joshua, two out of the ten, and Joshua is one of them, said, look what God is giving us. And ten said, this land is too productive, these people are too big, we cannot go this, in this direction. And from this brave, to be sure, wonderful step of faith that, um, that Joshua comes back and demonstrates his trust in God as he hands the fruit to Moses and says, look what God's given us. From this point of faith, something extraordinary has grown and he has become uh, the leader under God um, that has got these people to this point. I want you to notice just a couple of little things about this beautiful story. Joshua has an opinion. Uh, He has decided what he will do. He knows and believes that the right choice from here is for this people to be a people dedicated to God. And he has made that choice already for himself and indeed for his family. But he still offers choice, doesn't he? He doesn't believe he has control over what the people will do. In fact, he is about to scatter them all over the new nation of Israel. And Joshua will lose power as he lets them go. But he quite firmly believes that God goes with them. And he firmly believes that they will do very well to remember what God has done. In fact, this is part of their answer as they throw forward their pledge, we will serve the Lord. Part of their answer is to remember what God has done. Of course we'll serve Yahweh. He set us free from Egypt. He helped us cross the Red Sea. He has brought us into this land. Of course we will go this way. And they make their pledges and they make their promises. I wonder if you notice in this story what the Israelites are hiding. Did any of you notice anything? That can be a rhetorical question. If you like, you can answer if you like. Yes, isn't that amazing? Um, what an incredible story. They've, they've got a whole bunch of idols from the people whose land they have conquered hidden in their tents. So when they say, yes, 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 we will follow God, we will do things God's way, he will be our God, at the same time, they are doing, well, what we saw the Galatians do um, a couple of weeks ago. They're holding something else next to God, aren't they? We will follow God. But we also want to look at all these Jewish regulations and make sure we're up with that as well, the Galatian Galatian people were essentially saying. And here we see it once again. Israel, despite all the warnings, I guess, have conquered nations and said, oh, wouldn't it be handy to have that God as well? Oh, 
how prone we are to judge the Israelites at this point because we would never do anything like that, would we? I mean, I mean, we are, we are so, you are so perfect, I know. I would do stuff like that, but I know you wouldn't. How prone we are to, well, I think it's very human for us to have to worship. I know, I know you go through life and you meet people at work and you meet people beyond this community and, and you, you think, I, w- I wonder what they think of worship. I wonder what they would think if they saw me in here on Sunday morning singing to the air. Um, yet the truth is, on the deepest level, we as people always find something to serve In fact, that's going on in this passage as well, isn't it? Um, Choose who you will serve. It's not an option between, you know, be free and do whatever you want, as we said last week. It's actually an invitation to choose who you will serve. Serve and worship are, are not two concepts that are a thousand miles apart in our scriptures. They're actually very close. When we worship, we are choosing who we will serve and we are serving the only one in our world who truly has our freedom at heart. And that is God. Your workplace, while I hope you give service to that place, if you worship it, If you think this will give you all the answers, success here will give you everything you want, you will find yourself serving something that does not have your best interests at heart. If you serve money, if you serve any of the myriad of idols that we seem to have the capacity to create, you will find yourself serving one that does not have your freedom at heart. So choose. Will you, Church of God, serve Yahweh? Or will you serve something less? But know that the only choice you have is who you will serve. It's not whether you will serve. I want to go back to Paul for a moment. Um, In Galatians, let's have a look at that next slide. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And you and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. 
And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Every time I read this passage, I, I, I find myself thinking of Paul as, as a journeyer, a fellow, a fellow traveller on the journey of learning to integrate or live consistently with the wonderful message of Christ. We said last week that it looks like Paul is, um, I've got to remember my words here, uh, radically consistent with this story, this understanding of God as the one who came into our world, lived, died and rose again. And this story, this account of God's action, this revealing of God's heart is the account that makes him rethink everything in life. So as a Pharisee who'd given his life to building up walls between Jews and Gentiles, between the slave and free, between male and female, in fact, these laws were taught right across the Roman world as well as within Judaism. Paul is saying to himself, what on earth does it look like for this new temple, you, this new temple of God, to be consistent with this incredible vision? And indeed, that's where Paul gets most angry. When he's defending the church against those who would say, You don't have to live consistently with this story. We are the people who believe that Christ came into the world and died on behalf of all people that all sins could be forgiven and all people welcomed into fellowship with God. Despite what they had done, despite who they were, despite what nationality was was theirs, despite whether they were male or female, whether they had plenty or had nothing. This is our story, that Christ died for all. What will it look like for you and for me to integrate that story into our lives, to sow it in there so that everything is heading in the same direction. I reckon Paul made a summary statement about what the church is supposed to be. This is his summary statement, or his summary phrase probably is better, uh, of the heart of the church. I want to leave this with you because I think it's very, very important. This is later in Galatians. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. It's a beautiful image, isn't it? very feminine image. Here is Paul saying, I'm 
pregnant with you. But at what point is this pregnancy going to come to full term? And something, what is Paul trying to create? He is trying to create Christ in you, fully developed. Christ living in you. This temple that gathers and scatters. Christ living fully in you. Other translations say, until Christ is formed in you. This desire that the very image of the Jesus we worship would be integrated into the very fabric of your life. I like reading theologians and they come up with cool words because they like to explore phrases like this um, uh, to their very depth. And, and I really enjoy reading them. And the phrase they've come up with around this is, um, see if you can learn it, all right? Christoformity. Now, for some of you, that will... I know that's not helpful. <laughs> Christoformity. What, what would it look like for us to know really, really well at the very heart of who we are that what God is doing among us is forming Christ in us. And it will happen through all of those difficult conversations. It will happen through our exploration of Scripture. It will happen through everything that we do together. It will happen as we reach out beyond our own walls and share Christ with the world. That won't only change everyone else. If you've ever done it, you will know it will also change you. Because in everything that you do in this world, Christ will use it for this one goal. That the one who gave himself for others would be formed in you. Anything short of that, and the church is doing something else, something other than what it is called to do. May Christ be formed in you.